0: hey yo, everybody! Welcome to episode 15 of the Joey and Amanda podcast. I'm Joey.
1: And I'm Amanda.
0: We are very excited to share today's episode with you all. We had a great conversation with a great filmmaker. Uh, his name is Max Joseph. Maybe you've seen him on Catfish, or you've seen his movie We Are Your Friends, or one of the unbelievable short films he's made um, throughout his life. Um, so... Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> enjoy our awesome conversation with an awesome guy. Max Joseph.
2: Your dad always had this amazing, hilarious laugh this like infectious laugh that like, and he'd laugh at my, like my da- he and my dad would always be like, they going are always doing
0: forth. bits. Yeah. yeah. Just like you. And, 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 and I think your dad is now moving that over to me. And he definitely, are, and every
2: time he hangs out with you guys, he's a like, Joey's So great. <laughs> like we go back and forth. He loves my humor. I'm like, great. <laughs> we
0: do. We, we really, we really do bits, but he's carrying over a bit that he did with my dad yeah. and he's doing it with me now. It's,
2: it's hilarious. It's, fun. it's so fun.
0: Yeah. Um, but i This is but really. Your dad goodness. was like
2: a major. Yeah, we should get into this. Your dad was but, like a major inspiration to me, because like he was like doing creative stuff, like you know what I mean. Like my parents yeah. worked on Wall Street and were like finance people, and yeah. David was like making things out of like like foam or yeah. and like yeah, and then dr- the way he drew and like everything yeah. was always so creative. And there was this like and Sesame Street and Ninja Turtles. so there's always this like. I mean, I definitely got. The bug, yeah. from him.
0: Well, this is a perfect place to start because okay, I was gonna, okay. I was gonna, you know, bring this up because it's something that we're really interested in and talking to people sure, about sure. the passion and how they found it and then yeah. what it was like pursuing it. So, this is a perfect place to start. So, it really was. That was really. Are we, are we recording? Yeah, we're going. Okay, great. <laughs> was that was that really like the. Um, yeah, I mean, I was
2: living in. I mean, I was like. Two or three, and yeah. like living in um, Greenwich Village, yeah. in this apartment building called the Printing House, and your dad, David, um, my cousin David, lived oh, right. above us. We
0: should because I always okay. assume people know that Max and I are related. We're yeah. we're cousins. You're like my second cousin, which is I feel like I know we're the age wise. I like <laughs> fell in
2: a weird place between all my cousins. Like I was like right. kind of the youngest.
0: Right, because you and my dad are first cousins, but you're at at least 15 or so. 20 years years younger?
2: Yeah. How old is he now? 55. Okay. Yeah, he's about Lisa's age. So, yeah, I'm like 15 years younger than him. Yeah. So, yeah, so David, like, was a full-grown man, (laughs) like, cool and athletic looking, and, like, he (laughs) lived above us in the same building, and he would come over for – Meals occasionally, yeah. and and I knew that he was doing. He, he was a puppeteer and worked a lot with Jim Henson, mm-hmm. Children's Television Workshop, which is Sesame Street. And and I knew that because right. I was that target audience, right? And and it was insane. I mean, like that was the first big mind Can we curse? Yeah, that was like the first big mind mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, I like television, and this guy makes things on television like right. that's there's a link there. Yeah. And like right. I don't know, my parents always took work so seriously. Like uh-huh. what they did from a young age, like I kind of felt like that would be boring. Mm-hmm. Or like this just wasn't that exciting. And then like right. David would come in and like he was always working on something cool. And like you'd go to his apartment and there would like be puppets right around and I don't know. I mean that was like kind of, he was the first person From a young age It was like Oh you can actually Just have fun For the rest of your life
0: Right
1: That's That's, amazing That you had that
0: Yeah it really
2: is I mean like He was like making Like puppets out of uh, uh, Cigarette boxes Oh yeah I remember that guy I remember Like I remember all of it Yeah
0: he's like uh, Yeah I remember that guy He
2: taught me how to like Draw like the ninja turtle Like face Uh Like kind of the But the new ninja Not like the cartoon one But like from the movie So yeah I don't know if everyone Knows this about okay, go so ahead. David Rudman, your yes. dad, my yes. cousin. Mm-hmm. So he 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 was a puppeteer for Jim Henson yep. and Children's Television Workshop, which is Sesame Street. He did. He came to do Cookie Monster.
0: Yeah, right? like twenty. 20- 20 years ago. Right.
2: Yeah. But that was still like, he wasn't doing it yet when I met him. But he was also doing
0: The Swedish Chef. Uh huh. And then, uh, well, Baby Bear. And then Baby Bear, that was
2: after my time. Right. But then beyond that, if that wasn't cool enough, (laughs) he also did all the puppetry for Donatello in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Right. Which, like, you have to understand, like, that, I was in the the fever. I was in, (laughs) like, the first wave of yeah. teenage mutant ninja turtle fever and like the fact that david was going to be
0: like now it took he, a, he did the you know he did the voice originally and then they brought in like, cory feldman yeah yeah and i apparently Corey did the exact same takes that my dad he he would he be smart too to. he completely stole his performance completely
2: so one thing I had to contend with when I was a kid telling everyone that my cousin was Donatello uh-huh. in the movie is that they would be like, wait a minute. Like, we all know that that was like some Japanese, right. like stunt, stunt, stunt guy, guy right. in the suit. I'm like, well, he he's not in the suit. <laughs> he's controlling the face. Well, what do you mean he's controlling the face? Yeah. I'm like, well, the face has to move with like animatronics. So he's the one who's doing like the facial yeah. movements. And they're like, uh-huh. You know, like you yeah, see yeah, their yeah. eyes go crossed. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it, I had to like it took a lot of describing. Yeah. Um,
1: how do you and, explain that to a kid? I mean, you yeah, don't figure right. that out if you're not in that world until you're much older.
2: Right. Right. So like, right. I was the one breaking it to them, like how <laughs> things worked. So it like came with a burden, a little <laughs> bit, the burden <laughs> of really explanation funny.
0: to some people. That's like you know saying Santa Claus is, right. is, isn't real.
2: Wait, and just while we're on the subject of yeah. how cool your dad is. So, like, <laughs> beyond that, he was also in Labyrinth. Yeah. Which is, like, another yeah. incredible Well, that feat. was right at your age. It was, like, yeah. a huge. It was he huge. was, like, one of the kind of chorus, like, yeah. background guys. Like, the little, like, gremlins that were in, like, the cradle. Yeah. Like, when Jennifer Connelly, like, looks in. And
0: like, yeah, because he was really young. I mean, he was probably
2: my age now when yeah. that, when that uh, came out. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. so awesome. So he was always this, like, super cool guy. He gave yeah. me, like, the shirts, like, the crew shirts from Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> yeah, Turtles. Right. He was living right. in New York for a while, so he and your mom, Karen, would always, like, we would go to Jewish holidays together. Like, they would... There was a lot of dinners and stuff. But, yeah, I totally, like, I worshipped your dad. Like, he yeah. was, like, my role model, like, to the nth degree. Yeah. So him being into showbiz mm-hmm. and just being so creative was definitely like the first thing that um hooked me and and it actually it literally connected me to showbiz because when i was six he got me on sesame street okay i'd gone to visit him yeah. on sesame street like yeah. once or twice and i met frank oz who yeah. did well, he was doing
0: cookie monster at the time probably and he
2: was doing was he doing he wasn't doing kermit but he was doing no. like everyone else yeah he i mean he did a lot of yeah, so Frank he, he
0: was cookie he was cookie probably when you went
2: he was the guy yeah and I just like just seeing how the the puppets Muppets moved and and going there was really cool but then he actually got me on an episode yeah and I still have it you running around yeah in the back. Oh I was gosh. like one of the kids like yeah. running and I remember shooting it mm-hmm. and like it was shot over like two or three days yeah and I mean there I, it was it was the coolest thing ever yeah. So that was the coolest thing ever. And that was, I was six then. Yeah. So, that, so, so, so you
0: there, you had yeah. the bug then. And, and did you start making things or start thinking about making things on your own? I, when did that happen? So I think I wanted to be an
2: actor for a okay. really long time. Uh-huh. Like starting from around then. I even like, I don't know whether it was your dad or not, but like I started auditioning for movies when I was really young. Like I auditioned for Radio Flyer.
0: Oh, I didn't know this, and I got I really, um, I great. got
2: really close. Uh-huh. Like I don't know exactly how close I was, but I think I was pretty close. And and the role went to Elijah Wood. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: How did your parents feel about you wanting to be an actor?
2: I don't think I think they were like they weren't pushing it really hard, yeah. but they also like weren't like d- discouraging me either. They right. they seemed somewhat like impartial. Um, They would have
0: supported you no matter what you said you wanted to do.
2: But it's funny, like when, one, like when you grow up in New York, like everyone, every kid like has some stupid, crazy, ambitious, like, I want to be a shortstop for the Yankees. Right. (laughs) Right. Everyone wants to be something crazy when they grow up. I definitely wanted to be an actor because I started auditioning and because of your dad and like that experience on Sesame Street. It was like, yeah, that seems great. That seems like really, that seems like a lot of fun. Right. And then I or, and I went to a, another school and in third grade, I was always in the plays. Like I always did okay. the, the, the musicals and stuff. And then in third grade, I actually like directed a, I directed a play that I was in. Oh God, a in friend of mine, grade? well, a friend you're of mine grade? wrote That's it. That's amazing. A friend of mine wrote it. What? He okay, was, so
1: you're a prodigy. No, 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 no. My friend was a prodigy. Third grade? yeah,
2: you wrote a play. So there was like, you know, in in high school, there's like the one act plays sometimes yeah. that like mm-hmm. seniors direct. And so my friend had written this play uh-huh. that was like based on the Honeymooners, the TV show uh-huh. with Jackie Gleason uh-huh. and and Art Carney, and um, it was like it was still it was an old show then. Yeah, but my friend had like a very old soul, and he was kind of a, he was a genius. He's, he's out there somewhere. I was about
1: to ask Gary are you still yeah, friends is, yeah.
2: Mark Herman. Okay. I mean, he's out there somewhere. I tried to friend him, friend him on Facebook a few years ago, but he never, like, friended back.
3: It's oh. kind of sad. Come on, Mark. But um,
2: he wrote this play, and I directed it, and I also was in it. And it was I kind of directed it the way I had been directed in, in the plays. I was in Oliver, like the musical Oliver, which was the big yeah. senior production, and, like, yeah. they needed kids in it. And so right. I was, like, following the Artful Dodger. Right. And, like, singing the songs. And that was also, like, a total mind fuck. Yeah. Like, that was, like, the coolest thing ever, too. Yeah. So every time, like, I was on stage or on camera, like, it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, and then I directed this, this one act thing, like, kind of just mimicking all the things I'd seen the directors tell me. And I was also, I had a little role in the play mm. itself, too. And an agent was in the audience, like a child agent because this is New York I guess right 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 and she zeroed in on me and came up to me afterwards I'm in third grade this is
0: is unbelievable (laughs) I know and she was like
2: have you ever thought about like acting and auditioning for stuff and I had already kind of like done that a few years ago like once or twice so uh, she represented me and would like fax us sides for auditions and I would go now both my parents worked but my dad was really good friends with this cab driver, this mm-hmm. eccentric cab driver in New uh-huh. York. That,
1: that checks out. Yeah, that sounds like a <laughs> dad, yeah. And
2: he, and so the cab driver would take me after school to these auditions.
1: Oh, wow.
2: And I never got anything. Right. And then I was also like afraid of getting something because if I did, then I'd have to like leave school for right. like weeks on end and then i would be behind and then i, I don't know
0: which is yeah. a profound thing for a third grader to be thinking even about, your
1: parents so. I, I wouldn't even like sleeping over sometimes at that age because i'd miss my parents <laughs> i
0: definitely miss my
2: parents when i slept over at other places <laughs> yeah me too yeah. um i always got picked up at midnight i sometimes yeah <laughs> that I sometimes happened to I me too. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like i changed my mind yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Or or there, there was, was like, like my a friend, mean theater. older brother oh yeah, and I couldn't hang. I'd call my mom, like, mom, can you come pick me up? Um
2: so yeah, so it started like that. And then I was oh, I auditioned a bunch, and then I was always in the school play, and I was kind of like an actor. Like I always like, I wanna be an actor when I grow up, I wanna yeah. go to Yale drama school. Yeah. And then like you start telling everyone you wanna be an actor. And and occasionally someone will be like, ooh, like yeah. that's not <laughs> you gonna know, like, to, that's yeah, gonna right. be really hard. Right. It's not gonna work out for you. Do you know how many people want to be actors, like you know. And yeah. there's a lot of like you get a sense of discouragement. Mm-hmm. And then and then it was like, well, if I directed, uh-huh. maybe I'd have more control over than just being an actor, right? And then kind of like around middle school, I really got into like creative writing too. Uh-huh. So I was like doing creative writing and acting, but like I heard acting was going to be really tough and I had done some directing and I really and I and I was familiar with it from being an actor. Uh-huh. And then I went to like acting school on the weekends. I was in a class like Lee Strasberg Acting School in New York. yeah! Oh like, I was in a class with Scarlett Johansson.
4: Oh wow. For like, two
2: years, yeah. What, what, on the weekend. What age were you around? I was 14 and uh-huh. she was 12. You remember her in or thir- I was thirteen and she was eleven. You, was,
0: did she, did she like stand out. Oh yeah, yeah. No,
2: everyone knew. Yeah, every she was already like she's she great. She hadn't been in the Horse Whisperer yet, uh-huh. which was kind of like the big breakthrough big break. role. But yeah. like everyone knew that she was like it. Mm-hmm. That she was like going somewhere. Yeah. yeah, she would also. She was also like fully committed. Like a lot of us were like right. going on the weekends, and she was like already living right. like every day like an actor. Right. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. It, somewhere along the line, like acting, um, creative writing. I was also a big computer nerd. How yeah. old
1: are you at this point?
2: 11, 12, 13, okay. 14.
0: I was still young.
2: Yeah.
0: That's, man. Wow. Like, New York, like, so I
1: was a director and acting. But
0: ton. think about that. You really had a lot of experience already. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe I was 13, just being I was in, like, all I cared about was, like, you know... Girls and friends, and baseball. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah,
2: I definitely wasn't going to be an athlete. I mean, like that. I, I was playing, like I played tennis and and basketball, but like I I wasn't the best. And mm-hmm. and so like that dream of being like a professional athlete yeah, was like kind of like... off the table. Uh, so no, this whole acting thing amazing. was so cool. And what was also cool about the school that I went to was that like all the cool kids, including like the cool upper schoolers, like were always in the place. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't this like dichotomy of like like the actor kids and like the the jock kids. Right. Yeah. The way they're and then when I went to high school there was. Right. And that was weird for me. Right. Because like at my previous school, all the cool kids were in the place. Yeah. Right. And so that was the first time and also like when I went to this high school, the basketball uh, tryouts mm-hmm. overlapped or like oh yeah overlapped with the play tryouts so you literally couldn't, you couldn't do oh. both. you couldn't do both right. and that also was like I was like what yeah you cr- like why can't what's going on here because to
0: them it, they would be like yeah there's nobody nobody's gonna cross over so right. who, who cares yeah, right. and I kind of feel like that's the way it
2: is f- at most places it's yes. just like those two worlds are totally separate and mm-hmm. never the twain shall meet yeah yeah and I was just lucky to go to a kind of a artsy middle, lower and middle school that had a high school attached where like all the cool kids were in the plays or, yeah. or playing sports. And yeah. like, there was never like any differentiation.
0: I never knew that that's, about you. That's, that is, that's amazing.
2: Yeah, and so I was always was bragging movie. about your dad
0: and like my connection to him. Do you know that my cousin is? But your crew—that was a pretty big deal because your crew at that time was—they were so in that world. Totally, you know.
2: Yeah, so that that was basically it. I mean, I was really a computer nerd. Um, so then you go to then you get to high school. So then I got to high school. Did you stay in it, or did yeah, you... I was I was on both the basketball team and in the play. Uh-huh. Like, I made it work. Okay. Um, and I got really into the acting world there. Do you remember school. the plays that you did oh, yeah, in high school? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, know I was, remember him too. I, yeah. yeah, it was kind of like it was yesterday. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm still friends with my uh, drama teacher. Like uh-huh. we, oh, we, that's we like so work great. on projects together still. Like he's a great writer. Yeah. So I'm still yeah, I'm still in touch with him. Yeah. Um and I did that and the computer nerd. Stuff mm-hmm. actually led me to editing really early. Because mm-hmm. like putting together something you shot.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know, like when I crossed, I read this book. A friend of mine who was really into film and was also an actor in the mm-hmm. plays with me and was one of my first friends at my new high school, gave me this book for my f- 15th birthday uh-huh. called Rebel Without a Crew, uh-huh. which is really by uh, Robert Rodriguez, okay. who did like Desperado and, yeah. and, and, and Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. And now Spy Kids and yeah, Sin right. City right. And, and this new movie that just came out. like a, not, It was like the... Shoot, I'm forgetting the name of it. I know, it's I know like that CGI watching. movie. It was like all the posters were just yeah. up.
0: Um, it said, it'll come to me in a second, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, he,
2: he wrote this amazing... It was a journal based on this movie he made called El Mariachi. And he made the movie for like $7,000. Oh wow. And it was like a feature film and it was and and the the book like was like day by day told you like the the process of making it. And you could and he was so creative that and like he just awesome. kind of did it all by himself mm-hmm. and like there wasn't a big crew. It was just him and like he just figured out how to do it all and 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 he wrote it down and like that when I read that like everything crystallized. I was right. like, "Wait a minute." Like I can pull in the creative writing. Right. My, I was already always like a film nerd. Like I would just sit home and watch movies like all weekend with my friends, and and so yeah, reading that book, it was like okay, the the acting, the directing, uh-huh. the computer nerdness of like the edit of what editing was turning into. Yeah. Oh
4: my god. And
2: and the kind of cameras and stuff, which my dad always had like a video camera, yeah. um, and we and were did you have like, your
1: first computer?
2: Well, I yeah, probably around that same time too. It was like mm-hmm. Gateway 2000. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that was probably around 11 or 10 or 11, something like that. Um and non-linear computer editing was just mm-hmm. like kind of coming into being. Um yeah, where, like what software? I well, Final Cut imagine. Pro. <laughs> Final <laughs> Cut Pro 1.0 came out when I was 18. Okay. Where that was the first time oh. you could really like Edit on your Mac, okay, and then like spit out like something you put together. Yeah, but before then, literally starting in like seventh or eighth grade, I was like, got used to editing from VHS to VHS.
1: Oh my! Gosh. I don't. I
2: don't even know. Yeah, you just hooked up know. two VHS, uh, like you know. Uh, yeah. What are they called now? VCRs. Yeah. oh Yeah. yeah right. You hooked up oh two VCRs, God. and one had like a blank tape in it, and right. the other one had your you raw shot, footage right. on it. Uh-huh. Right. And then you would like hit play and pause and hit play and pause. And then like at the same time you'd hit play on one yeah. and then record on the other.
1: Oh my oh god. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is amazing. I am yeah.
0: so I feel so grateful to have missed that <laughs> that stage. It
2: was really fun though. Yeah. It was also fun because like not everyone yeah. Had the technology like readily oh, right. in their hand, like now mm-hmm. everyone is a fucking filmmaker, yeah. right? You know, it's like, like it so everyone easy. has a phone it's and so like yeah. easy to do, right. It. right? But then, like you know, you had to be a little crafty, yeah. Um, that's
0: that's that's true.
2: And so, like, yeah, and then putting the music on it was like its own oh, right. thing, yeah. So it was tricky, and like you had to yeah. be. It was fun. It felt like you were doing something kind of like you were going rogue, or you were like. You were hacking something, yeah. and so it felt yeah. like really cool and yeah. alternative, right?
1: Did you know any other, but anybody else that was doing that?
2: No, not when I started doing the the VCR to VCR mm-hmm. editing like that. That was like a revelation. And then when I was my first year of high school, that summer I did a UCLA like film program like I spent four weeks out here and Mm -hmm. I met another kid from New York. Um, His name is Ariel and he wasn't in the film program, but like he was a really talented artist and Mm -hmm. he was into movies too. And he was good at basketball and we, we played basketball a lot Mm -hmm. and he was also from New York. And so we became friends there. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is that, so we became kind of best friends in New York, even though we didn't go to the same school and Uh we were both into film. And then, he, his he's that's Neve's brother.
0: Oh, that's that's how you met him, right? Oh, oh got so it. So
2: Neve was always like kind of the annoying ADHD younger <laughs> brother that like younger we had, had to hang out with, like three years younger, uh, and he was yeah. just like very <laughs> annoying and hyperactive <laughs> and had no friends, mm-hmm. and so he had to ha- hang out with like his right. older brother and me, right? Um, but then we got into filmmaking, and I was I also went to school in high school with this I met through my love of film. This kid named Henry, mm-hmm. and we became really close friends too, like filmmaking buddies. In fact, I did a senior project at my high school where oh. I wanted to make a film, and no one had ever done that as a senior project because the technology wasn't like available until like right then. Right. The only problem is, is that I had a I had a video camera, that uh-huh. I didn't have a computer to edit on. Like I couldn't edit on whatever IBM ThinkPad oh, wow. I yeah. was using right. for to write my paper. So, um, but Henry. Ah, did he had one he had a he had the computer with nice. like the final cut pro on and i barely knew him the the uh teacher like the media arts teacher told me that he had the computer <laughs> so there's, like there's this guy yeah there's this guy <laughs> yeah. and i knew him kind of because i was like a peer leader like my senior year and he was a year younger and he had just come to the school from mm-hmm. like he was like in paris like at some other, like, his parents moved from Paris back to New York. Mm-hmm. And so he was, like, older than the other kids in my peer group uh-huh. because most of the kids in your peer group are, like, freshmen. Yeah. Anyway, there was, like, an immediate, uh, like, I saw who he was. Oh, this kid's interesting. And then when I found out he had the computer, I was, like, I went up to him. I was like, hey, I want to make this movie, but I don't have the the computer. and uh-huh. And I won't have to go to school during the day because I'm doing this project. This is second semester, senior year. And so I didn't have to go to school. I could spend all day long, like making this Uh project. So I was like, what if I came over to your house, like while you were leaving and like just hung out at your house all day (laughs) and edit on (laughs) your computer, this movie that I was making. And he kind of, he said, cool. Uh, and then I like I did every day, and his uh-huh. cat hated me, but I g- became really good friends with his mom. Uh-huh. And in the process, I became good friends with him. And then what's funny is that he and Ariel, my other friend, met through me. Mm-hmm. And then they, I after college, I went out to L.A. Yeah. And they stayed in New York, and they became a directing team. And they did Paranormal Activity oh. 3.
4: Oh, and, wow. And
2: they did that movie Nerve. Yeah. And... So they're still they're still doing something. Yeah, stuff. and so we're That's all and then cool. we've made things together, and, and then can, i you're And the then connection. I did catfish with Neve. All right. And so film kind of the, the just following that passion
1: is united. Yeah, yeah.
2: It kind of kind of governs the rest of your life and where you end up going and and everything. But to go back to your like, was there a moment mm. where where so that book Uh, Rebel Without a Crew, was Mm -hmm. definitely a moment reading Mm -hmm. that book. And I was like, wow, this sounds great. I want to do this forever. And then there was a moment in, I think I was a sophomore in high school, and I was in a media arts class that I had to kind of force my way to get into. It was like media arts two, and I hadn't taken media arts one. But I had done a lot of stuff at home, and so I got into this class, and like one of the first assignments was like to edit something. And this was on... Premiere, Adobe Premiere. We hadn't gotten to Final Cut Pro yet. I know you guys don't, like, know or care about, like, the software.
4: No, no, no.
1: I I actually do do. know about both of of those, yeah.
2: (laughs) So I on the first project, like, I was just at the computer, like, kind of assembling clips. And this is nonlinear editing. Uh Now, up to this point in history, no one ever nonlinear edited anything. Everything was linear editing. So you had to, like, pick one shot. And then, like, you had to go shot by shot,
4: mm-hmm.
2: like, you know, chronologically. Yeah. And, yes, you could build a sequence that's further along in the movie mm. and then combine it with a sequence that's earlier in the movie, but you still were, were, were assembling it chronologically. Right. Okay. Nonlinear editing is more like a puzzle. It's right. like, oh, I could move this clip here or, or put it there, and you're looking at it on a timeline, and you can undo. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's more of a puzzle yeah. than than like the assembly yeah. thing. And when I sat down and like started playing with the clips and then putting music underneath it, and like, I was like, this is it. Yeah, I was like, this is it. Yeah. I, re- I remember calling my parents or something from school. I was like, I found the thing I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's amazing. How old were you at this point?
2: Uh, 15 or 16. Yeah. I was yeah, in a total so flow great. state, uh-huh. putting it together it was like just the, and I still feel that way.
0: yeah, yeah. That's, that's
1: I know the exactly magic. what you're talking about yeah. it's yeah. like
2: magic. it's like I can't believe I get to do this yep mm-hmm. this is the like the most fun thing ever and it doesn't really cost a lot of money yeah right I mean, it certainly doesn't cost any money now. Everyone right. has a phone basically right. that they can do it on, but just to be able to mix and match these clips and find where they connect and how to make an edit that's seamless, like yeah. cutting on. Mm-hmm. you know, cutting on action so that you, you know, you have one clip and then someone moves their hand and then that's where yeah. you cut to the next thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: well, it's, it's where the story really comes together. Yeah. It's, and
1: it's just the magic of creating something that has never been done before. Yep. There's a high that comes from that. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. As an artist too, the same. It's like you have an idea in your head and you have all the tools to be able to make that happen. And
2: Right, well... I used to be really into video games. Like I loved playing Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Genesis, then PlayStation came out like my freshman year of high school. Uh-huh. Yeah. But as soon as I got into editing, I stopped entirely with video games. Uh-huh. Because in a lot of ways it was like I was using the same muscle.
4: Mm-hmm. Like yeah. my
2: brain was like I was I was doing things with my hands that yeah. had a connection with the screen. Yeah. But after 3 hours of playing a video game, what do you have to show for it? Yeah. Like, maybe you got somewhere in the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you spend three (laughs) hours editing something, like, you have something to show that didn't exist before. Yeah. And you could show it to people. And, it like, they were astonished by the technology.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And that was cooler than video games. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm still, like, in that. You know, I still love doing that and sitting down and having – the ingredients to play with and everything like that. That's my favorite part of directing or or making stuff is that like the, the writing and the directing are kind of a pretense to get to the assembly Mm -hmm. stage Mm -hmm. where you can start playing with everything. You know, I think there are a lot of directors that like they love the directing and like figuring out a cool action scene how to film it, doing everything in one take and whatever. Right. And then some people are just, they love writing. And, like, mm-hmm. the, the, field, the directing and the editing is kind of secondary. Like, as long as they, they wrote something that has yeah. great dialogue or, or the right idea. But I'm definitely, like, editing focused. Yeah. yeah. And so that, to me, it's like everything is about getting to that stage. Mm-hmm. And then, like, then I can block everyone out mm-hmm. and, like, go into my little cave and be alone <laughs> with all of these strands and like figure out this crazy puzzle and Mm. it fits together in some way. Like you have faith that like there's some way that it all can fit together, but you're not sure how and yeah, and figuring that out is like, that's flow to me.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's just also a metaphor for life. You just, you, you don't know exactly how it's going to come out, but you have faith it's going to come out good and you just, and there's just magic to it. Yeah. And I I love the last one at least I think it's the last one you did it's the one that I saw about the books that oh, you yeah. traveled everywhere yeah we can talk about that sure. yeah
0: I want I would love to talk about a bunch of your because I'm I'm a huge fan of your, <laughs> of, your, of your of your shorts Thanks, and I went yesterday I went to your website just to see like have I seen them all and, and I ended up rewatching all of them and I wanted to to talk to you about some of them like specifically sure so that was the crew right who uh, you, all the shorts you started to make. What were the first couple ones? Because so, that aria... Uh, like, right. Henry, were you guys all making those? N- no.
2: We kind of worked all separately for a little bit. But uh-huh. then occasionally we came together and, and did one together. Because which was two. the first
0: one that you did, that you directed it and wrote it and edited it? So
2: I came out to L.A., do you want the long answer or the short answer?
0: I want the long answer. Okay. We're diving in here.
2: I came out to LA to write a movie that with my with my college roommate that we had kind of sold, quote unquote, for very mm-hmm. little money uh-huh. to another college friend who had graduated before us that was like starting a production so company. So you
0: already had graduated college and yeah. wh- you went to Brown? Brown and did you study film there? No. no, I studied creative writing and English literature.
2: Nice. Because my dad actually told me... My dad, who's very supportive uh, in general, mm-hmm. and especially of the arts, uh, my grandma was an artist, and like David, and there was just a lot of art in the family, but he was very skeptical about filmmaking mm-hmm. and directing. Mm-hmm. And I think the way a lot of people are skeptical about writing, like he really was fearful that I w- that wouldn't be able to figure out a career out of it yeah. or that it was so hard. And so... In high school, once I started really getting into it, he really pushed me to do the creative writing side of it. Mm -hmm. He was like, if you can tell a good story and figure out the writing side, then he saw that as a way to kind of ensure that the rest of it would follow. Yeah. And it's also, and it was great because I did really get into creative writing because creative writing is almost the cheapest way to make a movie.
0: Right, I was going to say he—he was—he was right. I mean, I—I I studied theater in college, and I have a my degree in acting. And but it's something that I always regret was not taking a creative writing class. And I'm surprised that, in the major, we didn't have to take, uh, creative writing at any point. And I wish that we, we, we did.
2: So I have an opinion on that. Yeah, which is that I, in a lot of ways, I sometimes daydream a lot about not having learned creative writing so early uh-huh. and, or not having started to learn filmmaking so early because when you learn it early, you're kind, it's sandwiched between all these other things. Like, uh-huh. And you're not diving in full bore right away.
4: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
2: And to learn it as an adult, like kind of taking everything you know, now know about acting and putting it into writing, I uh-huh. almost feel like you'd be coming at it from both a fresher and more informed angle. And when you're a kid and you're just doing it like, yes, you go through those kind of first bad impulses and get mm-hmm. them out of the way. But film, like making a film always seemed like totally impossible to mm-hmm. me. It was like the biggest, most difficult thing ever. Because when right. you're a kid and you think about the trucks and the yeah. right. and everything, you're just the like, oh, holy shit, how am I ever going to do that? And there's a part of me that still feels that way. And I feel like if I had come to directing older, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be so freaked out by, like, how big the task is. And I still feel like, oh, my God, it's such a big deal. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so hard. And, like, and that's still, like, a very young part of me that, like, was trying to be a director, like, from a ridiculous age. Mm -hmm. Versus, like, if you came to creative writing now, especially having done all you've done in acting, I feel like you would approach it differently and you might be better at it. It ha- now having started as opposed yeah, to yeah, that then. makes sense. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think it yeah. can like don't have that regret.
0: Okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so uh,
2: so I, I came out to L A. and I needed to make money and so I started editing. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of editing because that's I knew I could do it. Didn't cost me any money to do it, and I started directing. I uh, started editing reels for television directors. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, like DVDs. I knew how to make DVDs. Uh-huh. Yeah. which was like All right. Right. No one was making DVDs. Like, the, the, the agencies and the managers and the studios, like, no one knew how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, like, you know, I, as any kid my age with a computer, like, you kind of figured it out. Yeah. Um, And so, this is, is going to be a long, boring story. I was I rented a room out of the this company that yeah. my friend was running. It was the same company that we were ostensibly writing our movie for. But he was... This, that same company was a movie studio mm-hmm. and a magazine called Good Magazine. Okay. And yeah. I was renting an office out of there to do my editing because when you live in LA and you work where you live, mm-hmm. life can be very isolating. Right. Yeah. And depressing. Right. Because everything is in your house and you're not necessarily going out. Mm-hmm. To, it's hard to meet people. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, I need an office. Mm-hmm. So I asked my friend if I could, like, basically rent for free or for very little money an office in his building and there was space and he said sure and while i was there editing these director's reels and you know writing at home youtube sold for like four billion dollars to google mm-hmm. and it was like this big wake-up call to everyone that like holy shit like youtube yeah is like a thing right yeah and i i and they were making this really cool magazine, and yeah. it hadn't even launched yet, but I was paying attention to what was going on. The magazine was very aesthetically pleasing, right. and it, the design was a big part of it.
0: Were they like a pop culture magazine? Good was, good,
2: it's still around. It, it's like, it was billed as like The Economist, but for like millennials, like mm-hmm. it, it was a okay. smart, informative, progress, like it focused on cool people doing cool things okay as opposed to being like uh negative or critical Uh and and it was kind of very much in the pre-obama into obama era like it, it. it really encompassed that okay um and there was all this great design and there were these great layouts in the magazine you know like when you're in a waiting room and you open time and you're just flipping through it because you know you're going to get called soon. Yeah. And, like, what do you land on? You generally land on, like, the graphic spread right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. that, like, has a cool <laughs> timeline or right. or something. This
1: is all making sense now with your videos. <laughs> right. Yes.
2: So, and, like, the magazine had that. Uh-huh. And I had been doing all this editing and, like, it involved a lot of ripping, like ripping from other things. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and I got good at ripping and taking things from other places and stitching them together and i was like hey guys like why don't we take some of these great spreads that you that you have ready for the magazine you've already done the work you've done the research you've designed Mm -hmm. it why don't i just then take that and turn it into a video that we'll put on youtube Uh uh-huh and i kind of was saying that for a while yeah and they were kind of like yeah i don't know maybe
1: (laughs) we have to see it
2: well then right. So then a friend of mine who worked there, like I, I vented to her that I was like frustrated that like I had this very good idea and no one seemed to be listening to it. And she's like, they just have to see it. Like you just have to do it.
0: Yeah. yeah. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. Just, you know,
2: telling people about something, you just not you gonna just, do it. You gotta show you have it, to to them. Do it. Totally. Yeah. And that's like that was that's been a very good lesson every step of the way. You, yeah, me actually, too. when I first
0: moved here That's, that's how like, We Are Your Friends happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because you 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 kind of taught me that right away because I I think I asked you something and you're like don't don't ask me just do it right yeah and, and that's sort of in that same um, you know category of
1: yeah like, that's how I landed in my e entertainment job right at an interview and um, I before the interview I asked them hey what are some projects that they're working on and they haven't been able to successfully make happen because they don't have the artist they told it to me <clears throat> so the night before I stayed up. All night I worked on a project and in the interview they're like we're working on this and we want to do this and I was like oh I actually I did it already and I showed (laughs) it to them and then I got the job. So yeah she's doing it.
2: Woody Allen who's I guess not a a controversial person to quote right now but he has this quote which is like 90% of success is showing up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think you can extend that to like 90% of success is like just doing the work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or right showing someone. Yeah. You can go blue in the face trying to explain your idea to someone. Yeah. But if they can see it and feel it and hear it, yeah. like you, it's so much more convincing. And that's how a lot of my projects kind of, yeah. my bigger projects get started. You can create a piece that looks and feels, yeah. gives someone a feeling for it. Mm-hmm. And then right. it's so much more real to them and it, it gives them more confidence to sign off on it. Right. So this friend of mine said, make the thing. Uh-huh. So I made this video. It was, a uh, it was based on like which countries had nuclear weapons and how many they had uh-huh. and whether they were increasing or decreasing and there were all these cool graphics in the magazines and and i was really into ratatat at the time which is a really cool band yeah. yeah and i they were kind of coming up they weren't huge and i used a song of theirs i had just seen them at the troubadour and there was this one while we were at the troubadour there was this one song that they played gettysburg and I was like, whoa, this song would be amazing for this video. Uh-huh. And we actually like, got the song for like oh, you, oh, virtually wow. no money. Yeah, uh, I reached out to them. Yeah. And, and it took me a long time to make this piece. Like, it, it was over months that I was working on it. It was kind of in the background because there was no deadline to show it to these people. Yeah. Right. But when I did kind of, I started showing it to them like, towards the end of the process. And they were like amazed. Uh-huh. They were like really psyched about it. And they put it out, and it like got a lot of views, yeah. which was like a new drug that yeah. I wasn't, right. I wasn't right. used to. I was Uh-oh. like, whoa, <laughs> this feels good. And then then I was like, okay, I, I'm getting a feel for what this game is about. So then I... And that that piece about the nuclear weapons was all editorial. Like, I didn't film anything. It was mm-hmm. all... Archival footage of like old nuclear oh, okay. weapon yeah. PSAs, like hide under your desk stuff. So I was yeah. just taking old clips, yeah. uh-huh. and I had like an animator that I found that I paid a little money to like kind of put together some stuff. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I filmed, I filmed some stuff in New York, like a shot of like the Empire State Building, a shot of Times Square, because part of the video is like what would happen if a, a tom, if a, a nuclear bomb went off in in New York City.
1: Do you still have, Is this video still up?
2: Yeah. Well. So so. Th- Two thing, two crazy things happened. After this video, I was like, I was gaining a little more confidence in directing, but I still had like a lot of qualms about, oh my god, like they're going to be people on set, they're right. going to be looking to me. Like right. I, I much preferred being at the computer, uh-huh. but I was, I wanted to push myself to do something like live action that would require like me to figure it out beforehand and like come in with a plan and have people. And you know, one thing I knew about the internet that was popular was internet porn
4: Mm -hmm. like that.
2: And in my mind, if you wanted to make a good internet video, you'd, you'd basically have to compete with everything else on the internet that people were consuming and watching. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it would have to be better than internet porn was my feeling. I see. Especially if you're making things about, like I wasn't. This wasn't college humor. Like I was at a magazine called Good Magazine, right? Yeah. Right. So you had to find a way to make these kind of dry things, like
1: clickbait in a way, kind of mm-hmm. early
2: clickbait, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, but the video itself had to be as exciting, if yeah, not great. more so yeah. than yeah. than and, and than internet porn. Yeah. So then I was like, well, why don't we do a video about internet porn? And this wasn't in the magazine, mm-hmm. so this was like an idea. I was like, why don't we? find a bunch of stats about Mm -hmm. internet pornography and how big it is and, like, just, you know, there are a lot of random stats. Yeah, yeah, And this was 2007. And I found a bunch of stats (laughs) and then had my friend who was running the the kind of the edit. We started an editing company together, and this friend will become important later in the story. Okay. So... He was a kid. He was out. He was a year or two younger than me. He was like just got out of uh, college, uh-huh. liked editing. And so I hired him and he quickly kind of became like a business partner and, and, and a kind of protege editor of mine. And I told him, I was like, find a porn star. What we're going to do is we're going to write the stats on a porn star's body. Uh-huh. And as she takes off her clothes, it will reveal a stat.
1: That's So, so, so
2: yeah. it was kind of, like, Creative. sexy, yeah. pushing the line a little bit. Like, it was kind of naughty, but it, it ended up being, you know, we didn't, yeah. we didn't break any rules. Yeah, right. yeah. But, you know, it was sexy. Yeah. Yeah. And so we did it. And, like, he called this like porn agency. And it was like very awkward. You <laughs> yeah. know, the woman, it was a British woman, I remember, she's like, Are you gonna be pointing a camera at her vagina? And we were like, Uh, uh. <laughs> I was like, well she's actually not going to be naked. Yeah. So they sent us some girls and we like mm-hmm. looked at pictures of some girls. It was like this one is good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then we set a date and I had a friend of mine who was like a makeup artist. She was a friend of a she was the cousin of a close friend of mine Mm -hmm. was like, I asked him if she could come over and like maybe draw the stats on or like write it on with like a tattoo pen Uh on the body. And then I I had a DP friend of mine who was at USC Uh come over and, and a makeup person we had to get to. So this was all new to me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I was really nervous. We shot it at my house and I knew what I wanted. I knew the kind of shots I wanted. I knew the song I wanted kind of two. And you had
0: all the information you wanted to use too, right? Yeah, we
2: had it on a sheet of paper. Uh And so I wanted the DP to like get really close to her and like the camera kind of to paint her body. Mm Yeah. Like kind of you know trace the, the the contours of her body where the stat would go and he was he was nervous too i mean like he didn't know what he could do and what he couldn't do and at some point i took the camera out of his hands and i like kind of like got on top of her not in a sexual way yeah but like you know just wanted to get close i was like this is what it's going to be like and we were nervous around her right she was smoking pot the whole time yeah (laughs) like she she was a real porn star yeah um and and so we shot it And, like, I was really nervous, and I was nervous afterwards that we didn't get it. And I had this song I wanted to use. Right. And I had all this footage, but I didn't know quite if it was going to work. And then at the same time, I wanted to find out if we could get the song. And the song ended up being really expensive. Okay. So my friend, who my business partner at the time, who was my co-editor, who called the porn agency, Uh was like, I have a friend from high school who makes beats like you should go over to his house and like make make a beat with him. Oh, that's cool. So we went yeah. I went over to his house and we spent like 3 hours and like found this really cool, really cool. like old sample mm-hmm. that no one would know mm-hmm. and we kind of put a, a beat on it, it and yeah. yeah and kind of created this track together. And it, and the track ended up kind of being cute and have a nice hook to it. And so I edited the piece, put the put the song on it. Called the video internet porn, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and chose a thumbnail that was very, you know, yeah, uh, provocative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And within two days, it had five million hits.
1: Oh my, oh my gosh! God. And that was back then. Yeah, what year? and I was like,
2: Whoa. I was like sold. Wow. Just, just like that drug of like, yeah. like every time I refreshed, yeah. like it he- would jump like ten thousand. You couldn't wait to wake up every day in the morning. Right, right. I was just checking like a maniac. (laughs) Yeah. And this is before Instagram. This is before anything. Like, that was the drug. Yeah. Okay. So then two funny things happened. Okay. One, that nuclear weapons piece I made got into Sundance.
1: Oh, nice. Oh, my God.
2: I didn't even submit it to Sundance, but the magazine did, along with a few other videos that. Some that they had because that first video did well. They they hired someone else to kind of like start making other videos out of the articles. Uh Mm -hmm. But I was still doing other things, so I didn't want to do that full time. I just wanted to make a video once in a while. So that got into Sundance, which was insane because one, I never thought that that was a short film. Yeah, I would have never thought to to submit that to Sundance. It wasn't a film; it was like a piece of content, Uh Mm -hmm. right? And then I was like, well, this is cool. I've never gotten yeah. into Sundance before I never even submitted anything, but the fact that this is being considered a piece that's worthy of going to the Sundance Film Festival is like, well, that's interesting, like what that's really cool
1: open opened up your mind totally, yeah,
2: and then the second thing that happened was my business partner friend I told you this part sorry, was the story was going to come back uh-huh. he he was a really good editor, like really good. Like he got to a point where like I was kind of giving him a lot of the work and we were splitting it. But he realized that he didn't like being in a dark room with no windows all day, every day with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. You know, he was way more social and, mm-hmm. and liked people. And so he, he decided to leave and go work for a producer um, that he knew, like a much older like established producer. And he worked there for, like, a year and then went to CAA, to the, uh, like, mail room, and just started there. Mm-hmm. And we stayed in close touch, and he became an assistant. And I was always – I was, like, his first client, and he's still my – he's my agent. Oh, oh my
4: gosh. God.
2: Yeah. He still is. Yeah. Wow. And part of the way that he got – he and he climbed the ranks at CAA, like, really quickly in the yeah. talent department – because he knew how to cut these reels for oh, for actor, crazy. well, for actors and directors, because uh, that's what we were doing. Right? Yeah, that's how we were making. So they money. needed him. Well, he did what I did at Good. Uh-huh. They had they had this guy that that was really talented but had made no movies uh-huh. named Tom Hardy.
1: Oh my god! And he
2: he had done a few little film projects, and and my friend, my business partner, made his reel. And he sent it to me and I, like, gave him some, like, creative feedback. But, like, it was pretty much there. And he did the same thing for Andrew Garfield. And, like, both of those, like, instantly made him really, like, all of a sudden this assistant at CAA, like, had another skill that was, like, very...
1: uh, Sought out for at the time. They didn't even know
2: that they... That it was that important until it was all of a sudden that important. And so... He climbed really quickly, and and we still like we still talk, you know, every day. But yeah, yeah. so he be, he became my agent, and I started doing more videos for good and for YouTube, and mm-hmm. kind of phased out of the the real stuff. And and yeah. And
0: then when did make it count? When did you and Casey start making stuff? <sighs> okay, so do you have to take a break at all or anything? No. You, okay. Um.
2: Casey is a funny one because we we have a ton of friends in common. Rel. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, should we say the last name for people that don't know it? Just oh, yeah. Casey. How do you pronounce it? Casey Neistat. 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 Okay. So Casey Neistat and I have now done,
2: like, a ton of... That was really cute, guys. They just, like, they just, like touched hands in, like, some kind of, like, intimate, like, <laughs> secret handshake way. I didn't even realize we just did that. And it was, like, really, really cute. I didn't even
0: realize it just happened.
2: Um... <laughs> now they're now they're both turning bright red, especially Amanda. Her glasses are matching her cheeks right now. Um, that is funny. So Casey Neistat was always kind of this like cult figure, even before he was like big on YouTube. He just like was always ahead of everyone else and doing crazy things with his yeah. brother Van. And I'd heard of him a long time ago because Rel my friend Rel, uh-huh. Ariel, uh-huh. out of college, and Eve's brother, uh-huh. okay. like his first job out of college was like interning for Casey Neistat. Oh, oh, so that's
1: how, okay.
2: Okay. And But
0: you didn't really, you just sort of knew him through yeah, those guys. Yeah, I was like,
2: Casey's this weird looking guy. <laughs> and like, he makes these kind of homemade videos. And then at some point, like he and his brother sold a show to HBO. And okay. this was like 2007 or uh-huh. 2008. I was like, well, mm-hmm. oh, that's impressive.
4: Mm-hmm. And the
2: show came out. And I don't know, I was like very skeptical and I like didn't want to like Casey or I, I barely knew I didn't, yeah. I'd never met him. Right. I'd only known him through my friends and I wanted him at some point to do something for good uh-huh. magazine. Cause like there were people like good, that were friends that were fans of him uh-huh. and I had a connection and they were like, do you think you could yeah. like maybe call Casey and see if you want to do that? So I tried and like, Casey had an assistant that I talked to. I was like, like I have to got to talk to this guy's assistant. And the assistant was like, yeah, like uh, Casey's really busy right now. Like, mm-hmm. and he kind of like uh, shut the door on me. And I was like, yeah. fuck that guy. Casey. Yeah. Like, Who does he think he is? He thinks he's hot shit or something.
4: <laughs>
2: so I, um, I made a short film. I left good after a while. Cause I kind of did a lot. I wanted to do there. And I, it, the time had come for me to spread my wings. I made this big short film, and I put all my money into it, and I like had no money. Like, literally. I'd which no, one was that? Like, which this is this Garden of Eden, which okay. is a film that I never yeah, quite I was finished. Finish. Okay. Um, I sank all my money into it, and I needed to make money. And I didn't mm-hmm. want to go back to good. So, all of a sudden, uh, I took on some editing jobs, which is something I hadn't done in a while. And the first one... I did, was for Rel and Henry. They mm. had this really cool, these two cool short films about artists. One was about um, Chris Burden, mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. who
2: is an amazing conceptual artist who had done a lot of stuff at LACMA. And um, that was a really fun thing to work on with them. And then the second was this short film called, uh, it, was, it, was, it wasn't called anything, it was about John Baldessari. And it was going to premiere at the, at some gala that LACMA was going to have where Baldessari and Clint Eastwood were uh, going to both be honored. Wow. But the thing is that like everyone knows who Clint Eastwood is mm-hmm. and yeah. everyone was going to be there like Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, like everyone who's everyone was going to be at the gala. Yeah. Uh-huh. But no one, like not everyone was going to know who John Baldessari was, right. even though he's a big deal in the art world. But like I say that name and like there's not immediate recognition. Yeah. Right. Um, I didn't even know who he was before this project. And so, um, Rel and Henry asked me to edit it. And our friend Gabe, who also went to high school with me, who was like Henry's best friend okay. from high school, uh, wrote it okay. and he wrote this thing. He wrote like kind of what he imagined the interview with John would be. And it was this very kind of like, uh, irreverent, funny interview mm-hmm. that he was imagining with John Baldessari. So then, Rel and Henry went and interviewed John Balisari, and Balisari was like not into the interview. Like he gave one word answers. Oh my gosh. Like was like clearly like either it was had already decided that doing interviews was like lame, uh-huh. and he was like not going to say anything about his art and just be really like closed mouthed and, yeah. and terse, right? And I got the footage, oh, which had nothing to do with the <laughs> script really, and. And that was all there was with some B-roll of the studio. And I asked kind of Rel and Henry, what do you guys want me to do? (laughs) Like, I was actually really depressed at this point Mm -hmm. because I I made the short film. Like I said, I spent all this money on it and it just didn't turn out. I couldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. I couldn't. It was me trying to do like a proper film as opposed to like the stuff I was doing at good. Mm -hmm. Right. And like... I don't know if I, like, maybe it was trying to be someone I wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And I was, like, really disillusioned with myself. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't know who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes so that, much and sense.
1: And that, that happens. I, I think that I happens a lot to artists. I don't yeah. know
2: if I'm the director. I thought I was. I thought I wanted to make stuff like this, but, like, it's it feels so foreign to me. Like, I got into the edit with it, which is normally the place where I'm the happiest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I became so depressed like really like maybe the most depressed I've ever been because mm-hmm. I just felt like I'm a f- like I, I got on stage and like I croaked uh-huh. yeah and I put all this money into it and right. I asked everyone for it so it's like kind of big and embarrassing so I asked Rel and Henry of the show. I was really depressed I was like what, do you, what the fuck do you guys want me yeah. to do like mm-hmm. tell me and they're like I don't know like do what you do I'm like what do I do and they're like you know like weave it together with like music and make it fun and interesting And I was like, is that what I do? And they were like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay. So I start, like, I kind of went 100% in the opposite direction of the short films I made. So the short film I made was this, like, very ethereal, dreamy, like, slow, beautiful, haunting thing. It was, like, a real piece of film. And I just went 180 degrees in the, like, really fast, like, content, like, like, this really intense editorial yeah, style. Yeah. Okay, and I just kind of felt my like groped my way through the project, and it turned out like there was a tight time uh, pr- time pressure timeline for it, and I, I got really depressed and freaked out during the whole thing. I ate half my thumb off, <laughs> literally. <laughs> oh my, my friends still talk about it, and we were like, the 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 the, the gala was coming up like. On us, like really close, and I and I hadn't figured this out. Like it was all in pieces, and like it didn't, I it just wasn't coming together. And I, I then the person from LACMA came over and watched a cut, and like she was like, "Yeah, it's good." Oh my god! And 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 my friends were like, "See, she likes it." Like, okay, we're we can just finish it like this. I'm like, "No, guys, like, did you see? Like, she didn't. She had no reaction. Like, yeah, we can't. It has to be better than that." Yeah. So. This is what, well, this, the next part that happened was really interesting. So we wanted to get the whole thing sound mixed, right? Before it plays on a big sound mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. stereo or whatever, sound uh, system, system yeah. Yeah. at LACMA, at this gala that Clint Eastwood and Leonardo DiCaprio oh were going to be. Oh my
1: God, the pressure.
2: <laughs> right. and, and I was going crazy. I'd eaten my thumb half off and it was like time to send the thing to the sound mix. It wasn't even close to being done. Oh but something had to be sent to the sound mix. Yeah. And yeah. so what I did was I I, kind of said, forget about the visual for a second. I'm going to, like, just make this work audio-wise. So if you closed your eyes and listened to it, it would sound right. Uh-huh. It would, like, mm-hmm. it would flow right.
4: Uh-huh.
2: And I And I was able to do it, actually. And we sent that to the sound mix and then knowing that i was kind of locked into that
1: mm, then you had you to Then i just that.
2: wallpapered yeah. the visuals kind of on top of it and made that work and the, the thing like went it, all of a sudden like we cracked it like at the last oh second and it was a huge success at lacma and it like it we released it and like P- Everyone has copied it now. Like, oh my Like, gosh. it's been crazy. Game of Thrones did a whole promo on HBO that copied it. Conan O'Brien's—I don't even know if I'm allowed to say—but it, but like, a lot of people like have yeah. ripped it off or copied it in some way. I can't wait. To Chanel, watch that. Uh, we've oh like have a God. list. So it became this thing, which is crazy because it, it, we re- I really pulled it out of our asses at the last <laughs> second. Yeah, but it became—it's become—or it became this kind of like iconic. Like short film mm-hmm. that people went crazy for, yeah. And also, I kind of cracked something in terms of like doing a radio edit first, mm-hmm. as opposed to like playing with all the pieces. Just doing like the audio piece first was yeah. was a, was a I don't know something an evolutionary new, yeah. step, yeah, right? That yeah. came from just being up against the clock. Casey Neistat saw that uh-huh. piece and was like, "I want that guy." To help me edit oh. these three films that I just agreed to do for Nike.
0: Got
4: wow.
1: it. And he was about to do these. So three his films. assistant reached out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he, he reached out. Yeah. He
2: emailed me, and I was like, "Oh, well, I'm not. I don't really edit for other people, but I did just do it for my friends because I needed money. And I know that Casey's like somebody. Like yeah. he, like I was, I was flattered that Casey wanted me to work with him, uh-huh. and so." I went to a studio in New York, and I was still super depressed from everything. And yeah. this video, we hadn't even re- quite released it yet, but he had seen it, mm-hmm. and and we did two videos together that I just edited, mm-hmm. and it was very frustrating editing for Casey because he, he just shoot he at the time he was just shooting ad hoc, and for with for Nike, I mean he would just run out and shoot something on the street and come back and like give me the footage. I was yeah. like like. There's no lighting, no DP, no nothing. And like, here he was, like, making something for Nike, which was also another, like, click. It's like, huh, Uh -huh. maybe you don't need all that fancy shit. Right. And that was part of Casey's charm. And then it got very, like, we had a very fun but antagonistic, like, relationship because I was like, the next thing you make, like, the third video you make, like, I want to help you actually, like, shoot it. Because I don't want to just be on the receiving end of like this avalanche of footage that you give me that I have to figure out how to put together when you kind of have an idea of what you want, but like not really, and you're driving me crazy. Like, let's try to do the next one, be in lockstep like from before we shoot it till after. And on my 30th birthday, he called me. I was out to dinner with uh, my wife. And I'm going to digress for a second. So while I'm working for Casey on the first two videos, again, I'm still super like in a weird depressed, like, I don't know if I'm going to be a filmmaker thing. I don't know if it's working out, but I also, I also was getting married to my wife, like on January 5th, like Uh we were, we had a fiance visa for Uh her to be in the country. We had to get married after at least at most 90 days of her being in the country.
1: Oh wow! It was running
2: out and we knew we wanted to do it, but I was also in New York working with Casey uh-huh. on this thing that had a tight timeline yeah. and a deadline. Yeah. And our wedding was supposed to be January 5th in LA. So,
1: oh my god. I, <laughs>
2: Priscilla and I, my wife, flew back to LA. Yeah. Like on the 4th. Oh my god. Bought clothes on the 5th, like the morning of the 5th. Like I went to J Crew with her and like bought like some nice clothes on the mm-hmm. morning. Got married that afternoon, like at the courthouse with a couple people there. Mm-hmm. Um, like, went to Chateau Marmont afterwards. And then the following day, went back to New York uh-huh. to finish working on this thing with Casey. So then on my 30th birthday, which was like a few weeks later, like I'd left New York. I'd finished those two jobs. I was like, I never want to see Casey Neistat ever again, (laughs) ever. Like this just like (laughs) ran me so ragged. Like I don't want to edit. I hate editing for other people. Like it's miserable. I never want to see Casey. And then
0: Then the phone rings. Then the phone rings on
2: my 30th birthday. We were at um, some sushi restaurant. Right. And he was like, I want to go around the world. In eleven days or ten days, and I want you to pick like the craziest, most like beautiful, cinematic-looking places like around the world. It's like yeah, you know, I think Antarctica or like the Andes or <laughs> India, like whatever it is. Like, will you help me shoot this? I'm like I'm going in like four days.
1: Oh my gosh!
2: So I was like, that sounds kind of cool. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I sell it, so I like had a little birthday party in like the next day or two, and then went to New York, thought about what the video would be on the plane, got to New York, had lunch with Casey with a little notebook, and mm-hmm. we came up with some ideas of things we would do in, in each of these places. Mm-hmm. And then later that day, we just went to the airport and flew to Paris, and yeah. that was like the first place. yeah, and that I love this video and by that way. was and that it's was so it. good. And that was the, and so we went on this crazy adventure. We basi- we only slept on airplanes. Like we never slept in a hotel except for maybe w- in one place. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we went to like, we went to uh, Victoria Falls in Zambia. We went to Cairo, right? This was like literally like a couple weeks after like the Tahrir Square, like protest oh massacre. We went to like, no one was in Cairo. Like yeah. I, my parents were like, freaked Fre- out yeah, yeah. I can imagine yeah, yeah. oh my god! we went to uh, Thailand and uh, and all these other places now i trying now to think I'm, where else
0: too because I just I just rewatched it um,
2: and anyway yeah and then we went oh yeah we went to Singapore mm-hmm. and all these places like I had never been and we were only there for like 12 hours sometimes yeah right um, just to sometimes just get just like to, to get the, a, yeah two to, or three shots
0: yeah and then oh get back gosh.
2: on the airplane like
0: sometimes I was, like Four seconds in these places, and then it's on to the next.
2: Yeah, That's, it was insane. And and insane. Casey is that kind of person. Oh yeah, we went to Oman, like oh, in wow. the United Arab Emirates. Oh, like, God. and we did some serious bonding. I mean, we're yep. just in the trenches, I'm sure. and like we were so tired. And and it was it was very awesome and insane and fast. And I had actually, it, it was so cool and fun once we were like two thirds of the way through it. And I had had this song that I had been sitting on that I wanted to like be the end of my first feature film. Mm-hmm. And but I had a feeling that when we were on the trip I was like oh, fuck this song. You can hear <laughs> this song. Yeah, <laughs> I was like this song will be perfect for this, but I don't want to give it to that asshole. I don't want to give it to Casey like where well, he doesn't deserve it. And then I said to him I was like look, I have this song that I've been sitting on and yeah. like saving yeah. for like the right thing, but this this film is so like, it's so ins- has inspired me just making it. Like, I think it might be good. So I played it for him and he like went nuts yeah. for it. And, and that, and that was make it count. And so, yeah.
1: Oh, I can't wait to watch And that yeah, one too, one. that
2: we, one, anytime you release something with Casey, it like gets a crazy amount of attention. Even then, he hadn't done a lot. And mm-hmm. he'd done his bike lanes video, but, this he, was what like 2010, maybe or, you know, or uh, 12, I 12. think. Um, and he he just always has like he's just got this aura of like he's just a superhuman and like yeah. crazy mm-hmm. things he's he He'll lives just do anything he lives life in a, just a different orbit. Yeah, I mean he's, not just the things awesome. he does, he's but awesome. like the things that he's connected to and everything. Yeah. It's just like a different level. I didn't know like those doors opened. Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't even know those doors existed. Uh-huh. You know, like yeah, it's, yeah. he just he's just living life on a on a different plane than uh-huh. most people mm-hmm. uh-huh. and that video came out and like within a day or two it was like every time you refresh that it was like up 100,000 right like and then all of a sudden like it got written up in all these all like articles, all these articles yeah. everywhere like can like wanted it for something. Like it was on Casey was on the cover of like Shots magazine. Like he was on the news. Like literally like CNN or some New York thing talking about it. And like uh-huh. it got written up everywhere. And it became like the most watched video in like the history of of Nike. Of
1: oh my god. That's what Casey says. I, I'm not.
2: I, I'll take his word for <laughs> yeah. it. But I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's like one of his most watched videos, and it really kind of helped launch him into like the next big Mm -hmm. uh, phase, but it was definitely a collaboration. Yeah. Like he made me do things I didn't want to do and didn't think would, like he made me use those quotes and I was uh-huh. like, I don't want to use fucking quotes. Like, it's going to be like a bad yearbook page. <laughs> and he was like, use the quotes. No, they I was, worked. They I know. I was yeah. like, I don't want to use the quotes. So he was <laughs> like, use the quotes. I was like, fine. <laughs> so I tried to make them work. And then they they did kind of they work. Worked. They yeah. worked. Yeah. Which was a great lesson ter- in terms of like being an editor, working uh-huh. with someone else. It's like sometimes you don't really see what someone else is talking about. But if you surrender a little bit and like try to find a way, you might discover something. That's even cooler or yeah. better. So that video came out and went bananas. And I started Catfish right at that time. Literally like the next month.
0: Follow the Frog was is one of my favorite ones that you've ever done. So Follow the Frog. When did that,
2: that was like three months after Make account.
0: So... What so So this is still 2012.
2: uh, was that all around. We're shooting catfish. Catfish season one hadn't come out yet. We we were still shooting it. I Mm -hmm. shot Follow the Frog. So the the spirit of making make it count Mm -hmm. inspired me to do this crazy thing for uh Follow the Frog. Yeah. So Follow the Frog, the way that came about was I still I didn't have like commercial representation, which is what I wanted, right? I wanted to go from making internet videos to like making commercials and Mm -hmm. making a living. Yeah. And the Nike piece got a lot of uh, attention Uh and I got some attention because of it. Some people noticed that I edited it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I got handed like a really cheap undesirable, like assignment from this really big, awesome commercial company. And they were like, the money on this is too small. It's not union. So we Mm -hmm. can't take it on, but If you want to basically take it and show us how good you are, like, this would be a great proving ground for you. And Mm -hmm. there was, like, Mm
4: $15,000
2: to make it, which is nothing. right? But I was like, oh, we can make this, like, no crew, no lights, Mm -hmm. no nothing. Um, I came up with, like, a few funny ideas, bounced them off the... The woman who was kind of in charge of like the Rainforest Alliance marketing. Rainforest Alliance is that company that puts yeah, the little frog stamp yeah. Yeah. and says that basically this was made, you know, it's this passes all like mm-hmm. sustainability t- like tests and, and is pro rainforest development yeah. as opposed to like it's not
1: cutting down for a palm oil. I used to work for Greenpeace. Oh, cool. <laughs>
2: right. Which is way more hardcore, yeah. I think, than, yeah, yeah. than Rainforest hard. Alliance. But, but it's still great. So if yeah. you see
1: it in your chocolates, definitely you want to get. It's to on notice. everything. Once yeah, you start like noticing. Love, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so
2: I went down to Costa Rica with a producer friend of mine and an actor friend of mine. That and, guy was great, a by the way. The
0: actor? In yeah. That is fantastic.
2: And he actually, he, we didn't even talk about it. He had come in from Europe or somewhere else where he was visiting a friend. And we met him at the airport. And then oh, wow. went with him on another plane. Like he oh, wow. he had come in, we picked him wow. up at the airport, went to another terminal, yeah. and went on the plane. And and I had a 5D and a and a, uh, and, a and a bag of props and yeah. costumes yeah. and stuff. And and that was it. We had a very loose plan. Yeah. And we shot for like four days in the rainforest of Costa Rica, two days in Nicaragua, uh-huh. and. That was it. We had a very loose, like, framework for what the video was going to be. Yeah. And kind of discovered things as we went along the way. Like, the van would pass, like, a really cool background or, like, a beautiful, like, river or, like, some some crazy thing and I'd Mm -hmm. be like stop the van stop the van and we'd get on like Tim that was the name of the 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 actor I was like Tim go in that river and he would do it and he would do it and And there was definitely like snakes and like bad things in the river but like he was game for it and so we kind of put this whole thing together like that it was very improvised
0: I love that. I mean, it's such a max video. And unlike it's, it goes to what your friends said to you. Like, do that thing that you do. Well, so there was another piece of that. uh So the John
2: Baldessari video was Uh narrated by Tom Waits. Right. And that was like a big deal. Yeah. Part of it. And then I wanted the Follow the Frog video to be narrated by someone famous too. And we were trying to get it to Alec Baldwin. Uh And Danny DeVito was actually like going to do it. Uh Uh-huh. Uh. Un- until the last second when like he didn't, and so I had to do the voiceover I like myself. When you do it, yeah. And that was like another step in the evolution. I was like, wait a minute. If I can do the voiceover and shoot it basically myself with very little crew, yeah. and put it together for virtually no money, like, yeah. like I can make anything, yeah, like, without needing. Many people to right. do it. And that realization kind of brought me to a lot of the other things I've done, like the bookstore video, mm-hmm. which was, again, it was like a crazy, weird video I wanted to do. It didn't cost. I mean, it, it cost a the little. the
1: traveling, yeah.
2: The traveling. And then I, I hired some people to do the drone mm-hmm, photography and stuff. But, oh, right. like, cost very little. Same thing yeah. with dicks, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So... Right, all these videos. It was just like, wait a minute, I can make cool stuff that I oddly want to make, and I don't have to ask permission. Right. Yeah. To all these people to make it. Right. I can just put it on my YouTube channel. And part of the reason I did catfish was because when I was making videos at Good, like you'd make the video, you spend all this time like breaking your back to make the video, yeah, and then it, then you just like push it live on YouTube and like cross your fingers and hope to God that it would pick up. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you, you're like, well, what famous people do we know collectively that we could get to repost it? Because like, if you can get Ashton Kutcher to repost your video, he had the most like Twitter subscribers at one point. He was like, well, if he can repost the video, then it's going to go viral. So it was like, who do you know that has a lot of followers that could go viral? Mm -hmm. So when catfish came along and I was kind of like, not so sure about doing it, I was like, wait a minute, what if I could amass followers <laughs> so that hat. I wouldn't have to, like, beg and plead, like, with people who are friends of people who right. are friends of yeah. Ashton Kutcher right. to get this video in front of him?
4: Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs>
2: so that was, like, another part of, like, the vertical integration mm-hmm. But and it, and it, it kind of works and kind of doesn't. Yeah, to be I mean, honest. you do
1: it all. There's another hat to add to it. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, but it's yeah.
2: funny because it doesn't quite work that way. Like when people follow you, like people mm-hmm. follow you, Amanda, because they love your art, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. People follow me because they want to see me goofing around with Neve. Uh, right. So yeah. it's but kind of like a bait. I thought like you could bait and switch people. And like some people, like you, I start posting my yeah. videos and some yeah. people. Yeah. Kind of are like go into them. But a lot of people are like, where's more pictures of you and Neve? Right, right.
1: I I see what you're saying with that. But, you know, you just left Catfish. So this is something that happened to me too with Periscope. So everybody saw me for Periscope in the beginning. They're like, where are your videos? I mean, they didn't even know I did these drawings. It started 2017. They knew me for my paintings. So I think that just because you just left, it'll happen. But slowly... Now I have a whole huge audience. I mean, when I had, when I was on Periscope, I had like 14k on Instagram. I had like nothing. So now I have an audience that knows me for my drawings because mm-hmm. it's been three years. I think in three years it's, it's gonna only be been
2: three years. That's it. Yeah, three years total or three years since you left
0: Periscope? Since since you left Periscope? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: okay. Uh, yeah. So. There's a three-year rule. I started, the, that I need, started yeah. the drawing in 2017, this, this drawing thing. But I think that in three years, people are going to forget about this whole, I mean, the catfish thing and then anything that you've been making those three years. Because yeah. it is fresh.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it. I made a feature film, like, while doing Catfish right. too. Right. Yeah. Um, And so, and that was another crazy mindfuck, too, in a great way. But... Um, I do
0: want. I do want to talk about we are your friends. You know, you talked about how like my dad, you know, inspired you a lot, and I think that we've come full circle because you gave me my first job in LA, and uh, you know, I'm like forever grateful and thankful for you to to do that for me because it made my my life and career so much. I mean, I don't want to say easier because it hasn't been easy, but <laughs> but but. but you know what? It was it was easy sort of to walk into an agency and meet with a manager and be like, well, I'm in this movie. And they signed me and they signed me. So that was huge for me. So that was like, I'm, I'm forever grateful and in your debt for that. Right? I was
2: uh, I was psyched to be able to look like such a big man on campus. Like, <laughs> it fed my ego a lot to have you just move to LA. It was like, hey, Joey, come help me make this movie. I mean, yeah. you were in the... Room helping audition actors. Yeah, like right when you got here. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh my god! It was like within
0: weeks of you getting here, you were like in a room with Zach. I hadn't been here for a full week, and probably five, four or five days. And next thing you know, I'm running scenes with Efron. And I I mean, yeah, and and like Joey got a totally warped like (laughs) I did, and like, and then and then like shooting it um was. A crazy experience. We almost and, didn't shoot your scene. I know, and and I think like one of the PA said to me, like, yeah, we're, you know, I don't think we're gonna get to it. And I was like, all right. And I was like, oh. I was like walking to my, I was like walking to get my stuff. And then uh, uh, another PA like came like running down the alley, and they're like, they need you, they need you on set. So I had to run back and do it. No, yeah. it was crazy because jo- Joey
2: and you killed the part. I mean, it was great, but Joey was like exactly the right age that all mm, these right. guys were in the movie. And so it was It was perfect. I was, like, pretending like I knew what I was doing and, and like, jo- like trying to impress Joey. I was like, Joey's <laughs> going to be really impressed with me. Um, and I'm trying to impress Max. Like, right. look how good of an actor I like, am. I have dude. no idea. I was like, yeah. <laughs> That is Thanks great. I think he's good. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, even the way we made... Like, we made We Are Your Friends for, like, very little money considering who was in it and where we were shooting. Like L.A. didn't have tax breaks, which is mm-hmm. a big deal. And like um, we had bona fide movie stars in the yeah. movie. Yeah. And, and, and we made it look a lot bigger than it was. Right. And a lot of that came, I don't know, the big lesson from that movie, there were, there were a lot of big lessons. Um, but the big lesson on that movie Kind of was that it's no, it was no different than any of the short films. Mm. Like your back is up against the wall. You don't have as much time as you wish you had. You don't Mm -hmm. have as many resources as you wish you had. There will come a point or two where you're like, I feel like I'm the only person pushing this boulder up a hill. And I thought there was going to be like cavalry is going to come like help me at some point. Yeah. And the good news was that it's just like making everything else, and the bad news is that it's just like making everything else.
1: Yeah.
0: Except the difference. The difference is, is that the shorts are where you're. You had total control over them. Right. And I also had a lot of.
2: I mean, I had a lot of control over "We Are Your Friends," considering. Uh I I mean, like it wasn't total control, but like it was because I played such a big hand in the editing of it, like. I got away with a lot of things that I don't think I would have ever I gotten see. away with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. A lot of kids ask me for advice, and right. I tell them kind of what I told you and probably what Amanda dis- has discovered. is that, like, especially right now in the time we're living in, like, waiting online or waiting for someone to give you the green light or permission yeah. to do the thing you want to do is not – gonna work out for mm-hmm. you. If you're waiting online, it means you would re- you're scared of doing the thing you're doing. And I need mm-hmm. to remind myself of this all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not like something I've conquered. Yeah. I'm constantly being like, why am I asking other people permission for something I can go out and do on my own. Yeah. And it's really liberating though to realize that like, wait a minute. Like that weird, cool idea I have, like, is totally doable. Mm-hmm. With everything I have at my disposal right now, and I don't need some big movie star or some company or you know whatever. I need like a friend or two, maybe, yeah, to help me do it. But I, you can use your voice on the voiceover. Yeah, you can, you know, you could use your friend's music. You can shoot anywhere, basically, yeah. on your phone, and no one's really going to stop you. Yeah. So it's a, you really can just jump in and do it yourself.
1: Yeah. This and starting is the hardest part. Like right. Yeah. You have to just start and once you start it makes everything so much easier.
2: A friend of mine said something to me that was really helpful and and I feel like you Amanda like embody this. He was like uh, there was a there've been a few points in time where I'm like I don't know what what kind of thing I'm supposed to be doing. Like I know I love doing it, but like yeah. especially after I made that short film which like didn't seem to jive with my voice. Which one? The the, the Garden of Eden film. Oh, okay. the one that never was. Uh, oh, okay. Made. I'm still working on it, by the way. Literally. I mean, really? Yeah. I do like That's work great. on it a little bit every year because I, yeah. I do think there's something great in there and I might not have been ready yeah. then. Uh-huh. I do, it is really good and I will figure it out. Uh-huh. But he said to me, do what you can do fast without thinking about it like do whatever you can produce like quickly as opposed Mm -hmm. to like setting off to do something that like you you don't know if you can do or you can't do that's going to take you like a million years to like figure it out it's like like beavers build dams yeah like you do what Mm -hmm. and like clearly you you know need to or want to or have the drive to like produce a painting or two like every day yeah and that's what you can do that's what comes out of you fast Mm -hmm. and quickly. Not that it's not hard, but it's just like that's what you can kind of keep on doing.
1: Like consistency also is so important.
2: And if you right, if you are just consistent and persistent and just keep on Mm -hmm. like doing it, like things will come to you Uh as opposed to you not you knocking on doors like is not like if you're if you haven't if you're pounding on doors trying to get in you're already on the losing end of a power struggle that you're yeah. not going to win. Yeah. You basically have to, like, if you build it, they will come yeah. mentality. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. And, like,
2: the more you build it, being like, fuck, fuck everyone who's, like, not into me doing this. I'm Or
1: galleries just, in the art world. Right,
2: I'm going to wear you down. Like, yeah. I'm just going to keep on <laughs> making stuff until, like, you're forced to admit that, like, I'm here. Yeah. And that mentality, and that's, like, kind of Casey's mentality even more than I take forever to make one thing. Mm -hmm. But it's still, like, it's what comes out of me quickly. And that's what the Baldessari thing was. Like, the gun was to my head, and I had to figure it out. My friends kind of knew they had a a better idea of my voice than I did. Mm -hmm. And they kind of reflected that back to me. They were like, do what you do. And I didn't know what that was. But with the time pressure and my friends kind of, like, holding the guardrails – Mm-hmm. on me, I was able to like get that thing out yeah, and then realize that like I, could, I had kind of been doing that before and now I'm going to continue doing it but with like way more conscious of the fact that that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And once you get to that point, I think as a quote unquote artist or maker of anything, mm-hmm. like you've hit some stride in your journey. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be making because it's coming out of me Like at at such a frequency and like everything I'm like everything I see and do is is contributing to the next Mm -hmm. thing I'm going to make and you get in this like rhythm and momentum. Yeah. And that I don't know. Yeah, no, that's yeah.
1: exactly it. That's exactly it. And and I think sometimes the hard part for artists or creators is you want it to be perfect, but that's the thing. Just put it out there because everything, I mean, the iPhone, everything starts with like a 1.0 and whatever you do, it's just going to keep getting better and upgrading, upgrading, but it will never get better if you don't just start and do it. Um,
2: also, like mm-hmm. your, the imperfections are what make you, you, mm-hmm. I mean, with art, Fine art, probably, but with film, like everything is so fucking polished and perfect, and like with the drones now, and like everyone's footage kind of looks the same and it Mm -hmm. runs together. Mm -hmm. But if your stuff goes against that grain, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. If you're if you kind of get beyond the beauty and just get into like the idea Mm -hmm. and and let it be a little rough or let it be a little ugly or a little punk or a little whatever like it'll stand out because it's not perfect yeah and that was a big lesson too the more perfect it is the the less it seems to have been made by
0: a human being
1: yeah a lot of digital art
0: because that's the problem i have is like you know wanting everything i do to be perfect before i share it and it's something that i'm you know continually trying to work on you know, <laughs> it's, hard. it's hard because
2: I, I really want my edits to be perfect yeah. before I put them on the internet. Cause once they're up, they're up forever and there's no changing it. And I will go to a crazy, I'm going right now to a sound session, to something I'd already done a, a sound mix on because I changed a few things. And it's like, I've asked myself a hundred times whether I really need this the session mm-hmm. but i can't live with it not being as perfect as it can yeah but if you but if you give into that impulse too much on everything then you'll never you'll never make stuff and put it out there so it's like yeah. you have to know when to to follow that and know when not to
4: yeah yeah
0: because i was making these like short videos from snapchat using doing yeah. characters, and then editing them, and putting them on Instagram. And they were doing really well. Like People were connecting with them and liking them. And I was having the greatest time doing them. But I would beat myself up over them all day make, trying to make it perfect when, you know, they weren't supposed to be that. Right. They, they shouldn't have been that. Well, right. There's there's kind of a
2: – depending on the thing you're making, if it's a daily thing, then yeah. it's it would – not be fitting if it were like totally perfect like right. it needs to feel like you made it in a day right mm-hmm. and if it doesn't feel like you made it in a day then like you're cheating or it's mm-hmm. not real yeah so mm-hmm. it i feel like the level of finishing needs to match your frequency
1: yeah
2: if you're putting something out once a year it better be perfect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's if that's what your audience or you're used to but if you're putting something out once a day then it can be rough. If you're putting something out once a week, it can be a little less rough, but it could, should still be rough.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So I don't
2: know.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, all right, you want to do these really Yeah. Quickly? Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, Amanda put a blast out on Instagram that you were coming in and to get some questions. First of all, a lot of people just saying, Max, I love you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but other than those, um, somebody asked, what is the biggest challenge that you ever faced? It's always myself. Uh huh. It's always just like
2: wrestling with your own. Why am I doing this? Is this any good at all? Yeah. Like, why am I taking so long? Uh-huh. I'm terrible. You know, it's it's always the internal voice. That's uh-huh. the hardest thing, and yep. that comes. That comes every time. Yep. There's no. There's not one time that 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 voice isn't there, like yep. potentially blocking you. Yeah. Um.
0: Did you go back to the bookstore hotel at uh, in Portugal, in Osos?
2: In Obidos. Uh, yeah, I did too. not go back to the that the, it's called the Literary Man Hotel and uh-huh. I desperately want to. And Is that I'm, the
0: one where in your camera... Yeah. You, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm definitely You're like... like
2: back. I want yeah, to take yeah. like a writing vacation there. Like once I have something like I need to write and I need <laughs> yeah. some like time and isolation, I'm going to go there ahead. and do that. Yeah. Which actually might have to be soon. I um, think that's a
0: really good idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you to this person for asking. Yeah. That, um, somebody, I, I know we talked about this, but um, they wanted to know how you became friends with Neve. I mean, you kind of answer touch that, her. yeah. Um, and then I, I'll throw in a question actually, because we talked about like the thing that makes your videos you. But what were your inspir? Because your style is so unique. Who are some of your inspirations? Do you, Do you have them? Yeah, then? totally.
2: Yeah. I mean, I have friends. My friend Pamela Litke, who oh, you yes. met, she's an amazing photographer. That, yeah. She's a big inspiration, just like the way she approaches things. She just has like weird, cool ideas and doesn't try to intellectualize them uh-huh. or, or, or shoot them down, just kind of, like, follows them uh-huh. from her gut, and, like, they lead her to really cool places. That was really helpful. I mean, uh, Mike Mills, Beginners, that film obviously had a, a big bearing on mm-hmm. some of the things I've done, even though I was I was doing similar stuff around then and before then, but, like, that film really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Kubrick, kind of... Obviously. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's weird. I I developed a lot of my quote-unquote style from making these really informational, text-heavy videos for Good Magazine. Yeah. And, like, it came out of that and doing that a 100 million times. Right. Mm -hmm. And then realizing, wait a minute, what if I tried to tell a fictional story using the same tools? Or what if I expanded it? Because instead of just taking a boring not boring but like a dry subject Mm and doing it like what happens when I take another subject like what I love about bookstores in a way is that like it's a it's a boring title and like when you when I tell someone about it like yeah I'm making a movie about bookstores like great good luck with that but how can I take a, a, a subject that's dry on the surface of it and use everything I've learned about taking dry things and storytelling and emotional storytelling and like and apply it to something that is not on the face of it like interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is I feel like that's cool. Yeah. Like being yeah. able to take something cuz there are a lot of there are a lot of things like that that right. haven't been made. Right. Like there's a lot of material to mine. Well shit, if you can make books interesting, if you can make saving the rainforest interesting. Yeah. Like what else what other weird thing can you make interesting? Yeah. Right. Versus like making Let's let's take we are your friends for example. Like sure. making the DJ world sexy is not that hard. Right? Mm-hmm. It's all it already is sexy. In fact, it's so sexy that it's om- like that's the it's like the opposite problem. Right. Yeah. You have to like make it le- like less sexy <laughs> right. in order yeah. to, for it to be real. And like you know, making an, anything with a gun is automatically sexy, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you make something just as exciting without a gun?
1: Mm-hmm. So. You know, so there's a challenge there. Yeah.
2: yeah. When something's already sexy, it's almost like I'm almost like less interested. It's yeah. It's like, oh, it's the work is already done and anyone yeah. can do this. But mm-hmm. taking something that's like that's not so obvious mm-hmm. and making it sing. Yeah. is really pleasing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I loved about the bookstore, just the whole part of reading fat, like just I'm, I'm not even going to go into it because I don't want to give anything away, but I love it. I sent it to my family and I was like, you guys mm-hmm. have to watch this. Yeah. so great.
2: I'll end with this, I, yeah. this idea. So, you know, I Dick starts out with this quote, which is that, like, uh, a writer needs a pen, a painter needs a brush, but a director needs an army. And that's the way it's been up until, I think, now. Because films have always had to be very big and wide in their... Um, And who they're addressing and and who made them to a certain degree because it takes so much money and so many people. And then therefore it needs to justify that money. It needs to hit an audience and it Mm -hmm. needs to be, it can't be so personal. And of course there are amazing filmmakers who make really personal films with a crew. And like I love them and hats off to them. But I do think that we're approaching a moment where like you can make really personal films that are made the way a, a painter makes a painting or a writer writes a story. Like mm-hmm. it can just be you and the film. And, and I think that we've just gotten there. And so I'm really interested in mining that new space. It's like, well, like bookstores is just me taking something that I'm really anxious about and trying to figure it out. And because I don't have a crew or any people, it's like it's a lot easier for me to find a weird grope my way through it. Dix was the same way. Yeah, Dix is the same way. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I don't know. And there's something exciting to me about the fact that like now people can make these very personal films. And what will those films look like? And uh, is there a format? Will there be tropes and you know i don't know i think that it's a new evolution in in storytelling yeah or it can be and so and that i find that exciting
0: yeah me too and that's like your sweet spot too so we're we're excited to see what you do next i feel like i did a lot of talking about myself which is is, the point of this (laughs) exactly (laughs) but
1: it it connected a lot for me when i saw when you were talking about just everything i was like oh that's how he puts all the text and that's where he got yeah. this from and that's where he so it's been it's really, really cool great. to see that yeah mm-hmm.
0: um, when you leave we're going to i'm going to go through your website and show film yeah. and everything watching the i mean oddly
2: making the Baldessari film was it was so intense and so grueling and so stressful as all projects are at the very end but his work was so amazing uh-huh. As an artist, and like the he wrote, I mean, his one of his like key phrases that he's like famous for is like, I will not make any more boring art. I will not make boring art. Mm-hmm. And that's his like big thing. And like, part of me when I was making it is like, I don't want to make boring movies. And like, that doesn't mean I don't love watching boring movies. I love, I love a good boring movie, but mm-hmm. I don't think I want to make boring movies in the way that he doesn't want to make boring art and, and how he made art and he's collaging stuff. And it's, some of it's just simple ideas that are just beautifully executed. And it was just very liberating. Just the way working with Casey was liberating to be like, Oh, I'm making a video for Nike, but I don't need like a, a, you know, $200,000 a day DP or like whatever. Um, there are these things that you learn that really liberate the way you think of approaching a project Mm -hmm. and like getting to that point of liberation constantly is, is inspiring. And, and I think pushes you in a direction that only you can go in Mm -hmm. versus doing something that everyone else is trying to do too. Yeah. Your work certainly like you've found your own path and are like, trailblazing it and you're being like the best Amanda you can be every day as opposed to like you trying to be, I don't know, Cindy Sherman or, you know, some other famous artist. Like you're just being the best version of yourself. And I think that that as an artist, like that's where you want to get to, right? Where you're just like competing with yourself and trying to like build on what you have been making as opposed to like – copying someone else and just trying to I don't know compete with everyone
1: else yeah right yeah Yeah. I think that's so important and then you'll find the audience will find you I think a lot of people are just because of the fear of maybe people won't like it they'll end up doing what other people are doing but if you just do what you're good at you'll find an audience that will feel the same way yeah Yay, this is great we love you Maxie <laughs> love you guys
0: thank thanks you for thanks for coming thanks for coming in this, yeah. was, this was great yeah it was great for me yeah
1: so fun